Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, first of all, I want to apologize for last week. I never showed up for the show. There was no announcement. I got sick in the afternoon. I've got pancreatitis. I haven't had it in three years. It came back last week on Tuesday. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Those of you who've had it understand the pain. Oh, my God. And uh, I just had to let it ride through, and I had no way of communicating. So my apologies. A uh, lot to talk about. Uh, I can't get everything in. I want to get in every week. But we're going to go to a few places, not a lot tonight. We're going to go to California, Alabama, a place called Lewis County, New York. L-E-W-I-S, Israel, Florida Keys, Hollywood, California, and Afghanistan. I want to start with coronavirus. I believe that COVID-19 is the greatest dangery, danger rather facing our country today. Uh, I believe terrorism, domestic terrorism is terrible. I believe our enemies in the Middle East are a horrible situation. But the biggest thing facing us right now and that we must overcome is coronavirus. Uh, we, I thought we were on the road to beating it three or four months ago, and now it seems like we're not. I suspect because people became overly confident and started going out, no masks, no this, no that, and no, no spacing, breathing on each other in crowded bars, beaches, etc., and it came back. We're in horrible shape. We'll get to it. But everyone has to get vaccinated. The proof is out there. The vaccines work. Instead, was it half our population? I'll tell you what they are. And I have respect for everyone. I respect people's rights. However, there are a bunch of smart asses. These people who refuse to be vaccinated. Uh, they think they know everything. Do they, do they know what the doctors know? What the scientists know? Do they know what the don't they see what the data shows? Today, 95% of the people in the hospital because of COVID-19 are unvaccinated people. How much more do these people have uh, to be aware of uh, before they see the light of day? All right. So let me get into some coronavirus things first here. Uh, we have now... Uh, a new executive order that's going to go out from the president, several he's made in the last week. And one of them is uh, that the for all employers of 100 or more employees, they will have the burden, the employer, of making sure that their employees are vaccinated. If not vaccinated, they can't work. They must be discharged. And this is becoming part of OSHA, which are the federal regulations that affect the workplace. Very detailed. I can't tell you how many volumes when I practice law. And right now they're, they're, they're drawing up the rules, one, two, three, four, five, subdivision this, subdivision that. So it'll take a month or two before it's on the go. But it, what it means is that you've got to get vaccinated. And if you don't, the burden is on the employer. This is a smart move by the government to, to say you can't work. Uh, this means that the federal government can't be taken to court. Local governments can't be taken to court. Uh, it just 
doesn't fly. And it's going to help our situation. Now, as soon as this executive order comes out, we hear now that 70%, okay, of unvaccinated people say, no, they will not get vaccinated even though they will lose their jobs. 70% say of the present 100% not vaccinated, we will not get the vaccine. We don't care. You won't even have to let us go. We will quit. That's what they're saying. And I find this so absurd, and let me tell you why. It's a bravado. And, you know, they're not going to say they're wrong. They're not going to say they're getting cornered. But what they're saying is, this was my position, and I'm a tough guy, and you're not going to screw around with me. Well, my question then is, who's going to put the food on the table? Who's going to pay for the rent, the mortgage? Who's going to make the car payment? Who's going to pay the gas and electric? Who's going to pay the water bill? And I'll tell you something else. I remember when I was a kid, and I'm an old man now at 86, but the most, and I could, we were poor. We weren't rich. We didn't have money. We were middle class, low class. We were poor people. Uh, and I could recall shoes were a big thing. No, no one wore sneaks unless you were on a basketball court. And uh, when your shoes wore out, I could sense it at six, seven, and eight years old. It was a burden for my parents. They worried how they were going to put the money together to buy a new pair of shoes, which, by the way, only cost a dollar or two back there in the pair. Uh, so I'm going to ask you this. Who's going to pay for the sneaks? There's no extra money, okay, if you're not working. So though that's 70%. That's a bravado now because when push comes to pull, I see most of them staying on the job. Why? Because they have no choice. They have no choice. They will get vaccinated and they will work. Otherwise, their families will really, really suffer. And it's unfortunate it has to be this way. But if this is the way the job gets done, so be it. Which now brings me to a very sad situation. I'm going to be talking about the unvaccinated here again because they are a problem right now and they are a thorn in the side of good health in this country, in the side of beating this crippling disease that we've been fighting now for over two years. Um, this happened in California. Uh, a married couple, David and Davy. Husband's David, the wife is Davy, D-A-V-Y. Uh, they have five children. Present parents both dead today. Present ages of the children, three weeks. I said the mother and father are both dead now, and they have a baby three weeks. The ba three weeks to eight years old. Five children, three, three weeks to eight, eight years old. Parents well-educated. Father is, was a graduate math major. He was the, a math teacher in middle school. That's heavy stuff. Let me tell you, I found math hard in school, so even in high school. That's heavy stuff. And the wife's a nurse. She's a labor and delivery room nurse. These are well-educated people, thinking people. One is in the medical profession. All right? And they, both of them did not get vaccinated. They kept saying, we're looking. For 18 months, they've been saying this, by the way. We've been looking at this. We've been examining the pros and cons. We're not quite sure what effect it's going to have on us health-wise, uh, but we're still making up our minds. We haven't decided one way or the other. 
And they, they took steps, uh, like they had their groceries delivered. They washed down all hard surfaces in their house. Every day when they returned home from work, they took a shower. Okay. They washed their groceries when they were delivered to the house. They had their groceries even delivered. <clears throat> but they never got vaccinated. Okay. They both came down with COVID-19. Didn't last long. Both went into the hospital. Right? Both went into the hospital. And both had a problem uh, in the hospital. Uh, they, uh, just a second here, my notes got screwed up. They were in the hospital, and uh, they both died in the hospital. And here's how it flew. The mother was seven months pregnant. Uh, she was on her last legs, incubated, ICUs, the whole works. Uh, the doctors decided they had to take the baby cesarean. She was seven months pregnant. While incubated, six or seven doctors took that baby out and watched over her in the operating room. Not just one doctor you go in with and he does the cesarean because of her condition. She never saw her baby. It's a baby girl. She never saw her baby. She never held her baby. And to put it uh, another way that I read in uh, the case of this here uh, woman and her husband, she never met her baby. So the woman died as the baby was born. Her husband lasted another two weeks. Uh, He never got to see his baby, his new baby, his new child. He never got to hold his new child because he's in isolation in ICU. They're not going to bring the baby there or even near a window or a door. He saw some pictures of the baby, and he finally went. This all happened, by the way, in a period of three weeks, and this all happened two weeks ago because they're, they're both dead, not two weeks uh, one is dead three weeks, the other one two weeks, something like that. Now, uh, smart people, not vaccinated. David, the father, his mother's name is Tracy. She is a retired kindergarten teacher. She's taken the five children in. Not an easy job for grandparents. Uh, long road ahead in raising five kids, three presently three weeks to eight years. They'll do the job. It's been done before. They'll do it. Kids need their parents. They need their grandparents, but for different reasons, different activities. Kids need their parents. These kids will not have their parents. This is horrible also. Uh, it's just a total screwed-up mess. And the baby, the baby girl who was born, She's out of the hospital now. I'm, I'm laughing. I shouldn't be She's out of the hospital two or three weeks. She still does not have a name. Uh, the parents were dead. The mother was dead. The, the responsibility fell on the father, who still had another two weeks to live. Uh, he was going to name the baby, but he never did. Uh, Tracy, his mother, uh, refuses to name the baby at this stage. She's had him home for about three weeks now. Uh, she says, and this is horrible, it, it makes you almost want to cry, we're waiting for my son to tell us what to name her. We are waiting for my son to tell us what to name her. Like he's going to come, you know, he's going to come in the night and he's going to be in the bedroom and say her name is Gloria. Horrible what these people are going through. Horrible what these children are going to go through. Just plain 
horrible, the whole situation. Uh, what are you going to do? And Tracy, David's mother, says, we never saw this coming. We didn't think anything like this would ever happen. They should, she should have beat up her son to get the, the test. I hope she's been vaccinated. Which now brings me, and I'm still with coronavirus, my friends. I'm into Alabama. Uh, we're terribly hit here in Florida. Two weeks ago, we were the number one state in the union uh, for the most coronavirus cases and deaths. Uh, Alabama's been there, too. One, two, and three. It's, it's California. I'm, I'm sorry. It's Florida, Alabama, and I forget the other state. Uh, but Alabama keeps staying up there, too. Now, a month ago, they had no beds in the, in the hospitals. There were, and there haven't been any ICU beds available in any hospital in Alabama, all right, in the last month. So now you should be in the hospital, you get coronavirus bed, or you get a heart attack. It happens, you know. People get heart attacks. And when they get a heart attack, they go to an ICU room in a hospital with an ICU staff that is qualified to treat them. Well... There ain't no beds in Alabama. I see you beds. So now when people come in, whether it's coronavirus or it's a heart attack or whatever it is, the hospital that they're taken to immediately gets on the phone and starts calling other hospitals in Alabama and outside the state of Alabama. Well, this one fellow's name is Ray DeMonico. Ray DeMonico. Let me tell you this, too. He was not vaccinated. Everyone we're talking about isn't vaccinated. I didn't prepare it to be this way. They just come up like that. Everybody seems to be unvaccinated all of a sudden. Uh, Ray DeMonico, he got a heart attack, and he needed ICU, an ICU bed immediately. Forty-three hospitals were contacted, okay, Forty-three hospitals were contacted no, in and out of the state of Alabama. No hospital had an ICU bed for the emergency patient, Ray DeMonico, who had a heart attack. And guess what? He died because he couldn't get proper medical care. He may have died all, anyhow. We don't know. He didn't get a shot at living, all right? And again, though, he bears some responsibility. He was unvaccinated, which now brings me to a little county in upstate New York called Lewis County, L-E-W-I-S, a county I'm very familiar with. Let me put this all in order. I grew up, other than college and law school, went to school and practiced law my entire career in Utica, New York. I've been away now about 15, 16 years, living full-time in Key West. Uh, I know the country. Oneida County, where I grew up, Utica, New York, in Oneida County, is a county immediately below Lewis County, or to put it another way, Lewis County is the next county adjoining us to the north. Now, you're really in northern New York when you get into Lewis County. It's bad enough in Oneida County where I live. Lewis County is the woods, the snow, big-time skiing, big-time skiing. Lewis County is also their, 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 their uh, county capital 
is uh, Lowellville. I tried many cases in the Lowellville County Courthouse. Uh, it's a rural county. It's a small-town county. Most of the people in Lowellville and the area and in the county are farmers, and no one's a big farmer. They're all small farmers. They're not poor, but they get along. They get along. Now we have a problem. They have a hospital, 600 employees, and that makes sense to take care of all of the county, Lewis County. And the administrator announced last Friday that as of September 24th, the hospital could no longer take in any delivery cases, baby deliveries, no more births. And the reason was there has now come out a law, I think, out of Washington that effective a certain date, uh, all medical employees or an executive order by Biden, all medical employees must be vaccinated or they can't work. Well, you got a bunch of smart asses again in Lewis County. I, I, I'm smiling because these are, these are good people. They're, I know I know so many of them. They're great Americans. They're great people. Uh, but they got their dander up on this vaccination. And again, it doesn't make sense to me. But who am I? Anyhow, uh, guess what? All of the nurses <laughs> resigned. <laughs> In mass, effective September 24th, which is about 10 days away, effective September September 27th, rather, September 27th, uh, the hospital said they will take no further deliveries as of September 24th. The nurses who resigned, some are still working until September 24th, some are not. Uh, they all resigned, but... Some are not sure now. We don't know what's going to happen. But the administrator says we can't take them in. So, folks, make your arrangements for where you're going to have your baby delivered. Whether you're going to, they still have midwives in the north of New York State, by the way. Midwives, are you going to go to Utica or Syracuse, about 50 miles away, each, each community, to have your babies? Because you're not going to have them here. We can't do it. We can't do it. I can't understand. I cannot understand how a trained medical person would reject coronavirus, the vaccine shots. This is happening all over the country. It isn't just the nurses in, in the Lowellville General Hospital or in the Lewis County General Hospital, whatever its name is. It's happening all over the country. And there's, I don't know, is it a nurses' union nationally or what? Or is there a valid reason? I don't even know. But I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't gamble. I'd get that shot. Okay, I've had my two shots. I can't wait to get my booster shot. Uh, there is no other alternative. There is no other road than we're going to ride it out because we don't know. Maybe this is going to hurt us five, ten years down the road getting the shot. Well, at least you'll live another five or ten years, okay? Don't forget that 95% of the people in hospitals today across the United States are pers- with coronavirus are persons who are not vaccinated, which proves the point the vaccine works now. So that's the story up in Lowellville. Uh, it's a shame, and this is a small community, and it's going to continue happening in other small communities. 
Now, the last subject I'm going to discuss regarding coronavirus, I got some others. I don't know how many I'm going to be able to squeeze in. Ivermectin, Ivermectin. What, three, four weeks ago we heard about Ivermectin for the first time. It's a dewormer. It's a drug that deworms horses and cows. And some idiot said, that's what you take if you come down with coronavirus, because ivermectin uh, will cure you. It won't prevent you from getting it, but it will cure you. The FDA, the CDC, everybody that's a medical organization said, folks, you're not horses. Don't take it. It will hurt you. If you're not sick, don't take it. It will kill you. Stand a good chance of being killed. Now, ivermectin is being used for some other diseases, though. It has been used for a number of years. I don't recall what they are. It's immaterial to the point I want to make right now. It has nothing to do with coronavirus. And a study just came out this past week, all right, which said that 85% of the men who take ivermectin for whatever reason, whether it's coronavirus or or some other uh, affliction disease, 85% of the men end up sterilized. Sterilization, 85% of the men. Wonderful. (laughs) The only negative about this study is, and I don't know if I should call it a negative, but it was done in Nigeria. There were three studies done in Nigeria because they have a major problem here where Iver... Mectin is being used by people for other than coronavirus. And in these three studies, that was the result of the three studies. All right. Which now we go to a sad story. Happy ending. Happy ending. Uh, Twins. Born. You know, the interesting thing, I read about these twins during the week. Every place I could find an article, no one said whether the twins were two boys, two girls, or a boy and a girl. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting. That was left out of the reporting. No one picked up on that, that they should mention it. But anyhow, twins, one-year-old, one-year-old, when they were born, they were born co-joined, which means they were stuck together. And they were, they were co-joined at the back of their heads, co-joined at the back of their heads. For whatever reason, they could not have surgery until they were one year old. They were one year old a week ago. The surgery took place at the Sirocco Medical Center in Beersheba, Beersheba, Israel. It was a 12-hour surgery. The surgery is rare and complex. Uh, There was something like... 50 medical people involved in performing the surgeries. I mean, first they got to separate them, then they got to take them into separate different operating rooms and now fix them up so hopefully they'll both survive. Uh, and they had all kinds of specialists, plastic surgeons, pediatric people, uh, intensive care people, brain imaging. They brought two experts in, one from London and one from New York who had experience. Uh, separating babies who were co-joined at the head, all right? Uh, now, uh, you have to understand that, that this is a rough thing, being co-joined. Uh, I'm talking about whether you survive or not. About 
50 cases a year co-joined at the head of Warren, all right? Only 15 survived more than 30 days. These twins were lucky. Remember, they're, they're a year old. I'm smiling now because the result was good. God bless them. Uh, they survived the surgery. The doctors say uh, in all likelihood they're going to totally recover, have no ill effects from what happened to them. Now, these kids have been joined at the head for a whole year, the back of their heads. They've never seen each other. They can't walk. They don't crawl. They don't climb. Uh, they're good-looking babies, by the way, though, because they're a year old. They're perky. You can see it. Well, following the surgery, uh, probably for psychological reasons, the babies were put in the same. However, they were put back to back because they had been co-joined at the back of their heads. And for two days, the babies did nothing but cry. They wouldn't stop crying. So finally, one of the nurses said, let me try this. Picked up one of the babies, turned the baby around, laid the baby down so they were now facing each other. God bless them. They immediately stopped crying and smiled and laughed at each other. Would you believe what I'm telling you? Amazing, absolutely amazing, and God bless, they are, it's said they are going to survive. Where do we go now? We go to Amazon, who delivers everything to our doors today. Absolutely amazing what Bezos did with his business. Uh, and he's doing something good right now. I don't care how rich the man supposed purportedly the richest man in the world. God bless him. He put something together. He should make all the dollars he wants. I think he should pay taxes, but he has the best tax lawyers, I'm sure. Doesn't pay any taxes. You don't see anyone saying we're going to charge him with avoiding taxes. He doesn't. He's smart, but he still doesn't pay taxes. Brilliant. Anyhow, putting that aside, uh I don't know, he must be sort of a good guy to work for. Here is what Amazon announced this week. And by the way, he resigned as chairman of the board this week at the same time. But here's what was announced. Since 2018, the average hourly wage for an Amazon employee has been uh, $17, I believe, $17. It is now... $15, rather, I'm sorry, $15 an hour since 2018. It is now going to an average salary of $18 an hour. No McDonald wages here, my friends. $18 an hour. With the further announcements, two more, that each present employee will receive a bonus of $3,000. And Amazon is in the process of hiring, okay, between now and the end of the year, 125,000 more employees to work in the warehouse and, as and in the transportation operation that Amazon has. So that's been pretty good. And that's plain, you know, they're getting a living wage there. They're $18 an hour times 40 hours a week. They probably get overtime. It adds up. He's giving three grand on the side. He's going to give more people jobs. Good story. Very good story. We've been having a lot of hurricanes this year. Uh, and I, I believe in global, global warming, climate change, etc. And I forgot. I forgot about Hurricane Irma that I suffered through, in a sense. Irma happened four years ago on September 10th, 2017. 
Irma 2017. And on September 10th, I didn't even think about it. Every year I think about it. This Hurricane Irma so moved me. I left town. I ran away. Uh, I wrote a book about it when I got back. Irma and me. Irma and me. It's what I did for two weeks before, what I did five days before the hurricane hit. Thought it was going to be a five from the time it left Africa. It was always coming straight at Key West and uh, predicted to be a Category 5. No way, Jose, was I going to be here. I, I ended up in Birmingham, Alabama. Had to stay a few more days on the way back. I described the destruction. The, the boats were on the roads. The, the cars were in the water. Houses were gone. And I even saw a refrigerator, a big refrigerator, uh, hanging from two branches on a tree 20, 20 feet up. Anyhow, it was horrible. I forgot about it. How I could forget about it, I don't know. And if you want to know firsthand what it was like, buy my book, Irma and Me. I'm not talking about this to sell you my book. Uh, we had my big sales four years ago. Uh, but you can get a hold of it on Amazon. It, it makes good reading. Okay, uh, that, my friends, uh, that's it for tonight. Uh, I, I, I thank you for joining me again. Uh, I look forward to being with you next week. I enjoy being with you every week. I love doing this show. I love that you listen to this show. And I'm going to add this. I love that every week my numbers go up a little bit more. I think it's absolutely terrific, and I thank all of you who listen in. Have a good evening.